As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. It's week nine of the National Football League. Bears coming off back-to-back L's. No fear, they came ready to play, right? Um, yeah. No, they didn't. Fourth down and one. Hands off to Montgomery. And Montgomery not going to make it. And the Titans hold on fourth and one in their territory. They're down six. Folks getting some pressure. And he fires it incomplete. It was intended for Anthony Miller. It'll be third down and two. And here's the handoff to Montgomery. And he has stopped at the line of scrimmage. The Bears couldn't convert close to midfield. And now we'll be kicking once again. Here to bring you all the information, the news, and the notes from today's game. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. You're everywhere, baby. Awesome. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Recognize the skills. Oh, okay. Ding, ding, ding. You know, it just might be time for a shakeup. Damn straight. And I'm not talking players. Exactly. You know it. Now it's time for Hogan Johns. Yeah! What was it that Mark Trestman said to Zach Zayman at halftime of that Packer game, I think? What was we're, not a very good, we're not a very good football team right now. No, my favorite one is, what was that, Zach? Wasn't there something like that? What was what, what Zach? What was what, Zach? That is one. That, that is, is one. Yeah. That's what I think about. But yes, yeah. he did say that other one as well. Yeah, I think he was going to the locker room and said, well, we're not a very good football team right now, Zach. Yeah, that's a, that's an understatement. Uh, the Bears, I think it's pretty obvious. At 5-1, and one, they were pretenders, not contenders. And uh, it's going to take a lot to turn the season around from where they're at right now. What they need to be, Adam Johns, because this three-game losing streak, while not terribly surprising... Still very disappointing because the arrow is trending in the wrong direction. And fast. And fast. I don't know what it's going to take for it to to end because I think the Vikings are playing a lot better. Like, the Vikings might be favored. The losing Vikings might be favored on Monday Night Football. It's it's, it's snowballing quite quickly in Matt Nagy's group. They should be favored. The, The Vikings are doing... Basically what we thought they'd be doing, which is getting better as the season goes along because they were so young on defense, they're rebuilding on the fly, but they still have pieces on offense and they're figuring it out on both sides and they're starting to play a lot better. So they're the opposite of the Bears. No, yeah, this their team trending in the right direction. The Bears are trending in the wrong direction and boy, it'll get bad if the Bears lose on Monday Night Football to the Minnesota Vikings next week, but we got plenty of time this week to break that game down. Uh, we need to spend this time breaking down what we all witnessed today, which was not good football by the Chicago Bears, uh, especially on offense. Their offense is completely broken, and it's pretty obvious Matt Nagy has zero answers. Anyway, welcome in. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Postgame reaction is up. My column up at NBCSportsChicago.com. And Johns' coverage up on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you subscribe, where you should be a subscriber. And we appreciate those of you who are. It's good to see you, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Welcome back. Still here. (laughs) 
The Bears still stink. Yeah, nothing you, changed. You, you, yeah, yeah. Just, just in case you were wondering while you were, you know, under the weather this past week, you know, the Bears still stink. Yeah. You know? uh, nice job by you and Kevin Fishbane while I was gone. I decided to take a few days off. So, if I'm assuming most people saw what I wrote, um, but I'm sure there's some of our listeners don't read everything I write. Uh, that's okay. But if you miss it, I uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, over a week ago now, it was last Friday. I actually did the post-game episode last week. I just kind of worked through it. I mean, I was quarantined in my office anyway. So I figured, hey, might as well cover the Bears game and do the podcast. But uh made a smart decision during the week to take some time completely off, rest up, get better. And um, that, was, that was smart because I do feel better, which is good. We'll, uh, I think we'll touch more on that whole situation a little bit later on the podcast. Because, I mean, we do have to talk about the Bears and COVID as well because they still had guys jump jumping on the reserve COVID-19 list uh, last night and this morning before the game. So that's all part of the conversation and part of why they played so poorly today. I don't think it's necessarily the main reason, but... What's been going on in the offensive line is is obviously part of the problem. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit too because that that is important. But thanks for holding down the fort. You guys were great and um, handling all that because I know Thursday things were in flux. They didn't even practice. The building was closed and no one really knew what was going on. Yeah, well, I think things should still be in flux. But yeah, man, we we, we missed you a bit. It's it's. It was, you know, it's always good to talk sports to take your minds off, you know, certain things that's going on in the world. But the world seems to insert itself into sports quite a bit as well. No question. Um, especially with this whole COVID thing, because it's not going away. And it doesn't matter if you're me or you're an NFL player or uh, one of our listeners. Uh, a lot of people are dealing with it right now because this virus does not care who you are, what you do. Uh, it tends to find you. That's what I learned. So we'll get into that a little bit more. All right. But the Bears. There's so many problems, but what I chose to write about, John's, when it was all said and done is nothing is going to be fixed offensively until they fix their quarterback problem. Is that a column dated in 2001. It's just, yeah, it's, Nin- it's 1994. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's, it, it's bad, man. It's, it's everything that Nick Foles was said to be or believed to be. He is not it. He's not, he's not good. He's not good. It's, 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 it's all a problem for, for Nick Foles right now. And it's, it's, it's just bad quarterback play. And, and, and like, I get that the offensive line is, very makeshift right now, but like it's, it doesn't matter. Like, did you really think it was going to matter? I, I, I didn't. You know, I, I thought this. Like sometimes you just need your quarterback to raise his level of play, you know, like Joe Burrow did last week behind his makeshift line and beat the Titans. Yeah, Nick Foles gave you little confidence today. Doing whatever behind that offensive line. No, and and, and look, I I say that, and I wrote that under the. The admission that like Nick Foles is not the number one problem on offense right now. I'd probably rank him third. I think the offensive line is the biggest problem. Uh, and who gets the blame for that? Well, let's not take let's not let the players off the hook because there's plenty of teams around the league who have players coming in. Like you're an NFL offensive lineman. You, I don't care who you are. If you are Jermaine Fetty, who's been in the league for a long time and was a first round pick. Or your Arlington Hambright, who's a seventh round pick that, you know, hasn't played it down until today. You shouldn't be straight up whiffing completely. Like, you can't even get a hand on a guy. You know what I mean? So, like, does Ryan Pace deserve blame for this offensive line? Absolutely. 100%. It's a giant problem. But at the same time, like these players have to accept accountability too. And like I know Matt Nagy's 
complaining about the penalties and all that, but like, then he doesn't question if it's not. I, he continually says it's not effort. Are we just like arguing semantics here between effort and concentration? Because it's something like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's clearly concentration and a lack of discipline if it's not effort. Which is reflection of coaching. Yes. And that starts with Matt Nagy. Like this is his offense. I guess where I get like the personnel is bad. It is, especially up front. It's not good. That that whole line Except for maybe, you know, well, three of those spots will have different starters next year. Like, that's my, my bold prediction for the rest of the year. Like, it, there's going to be an overhaul of that offensive line from left to right. But at some point, like, the coaching has to take an effect here because the Bears aren't the only team in the NFL with a makeshift offensive line. We just mentioned the Bengals. A lot of teams deal with injuries up front. The Titans are missing the starting left tackle, who is better than every single player the Bears have on their offensive line. So... I don't like when penalties are used as an excuse because the Bears are the most penalized team in the NFL. And I know some of that's on defense, but again, that goes to your point, lack of discipline, and that points to coaching. That reflects coaching. Like There are so many things off about this offense. To me, just all points to coaching right now. The personnel is what it is. The coaches have to maximize what this personnel is. And to me, they're they're not. I get it's a problem. I get they're not good players. Some of these guys, but the coaching matters plenty too. And I've been thinking long and hard about you know specifically when it comes to offense and the scheme, what Matt Nagy's biggest weakness is that can you know be quantified, not necessarily quantified, but pretty specifically pointed out as a problem. And this is what I. Tell me if you agree with me on this. This is what I've kind of boiled it down to. I just I just feel like he has a stunning inability to scheme and adapt to the personnel he has available. So, you know, like what became a few weeks ago, which I still believe, you know, no play caller is going to look good when the offensive line plays that poorly. Now, I'm going back to a few weeks back when most, if not all, the offense, maybe only James Daniels was missing at that point. So, at that point, you're like, okay, well, we have our five starters. We expect them to play better. They didn't. It's hard for any play caller to to call good plays when the line's playing that poorly. Okay, but then you go, okay, James James Daniels goes down. And then, uh, you know, Cody Whitehair is an injury. Now you got COVID problems and, you know, whatever it is. Good coaches adapt and they change their plan of attack. Or they change the players when guys are just, you know, and this goes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago. Like, it just seems like it's the same thing. And I'll give you a specific example. That shovel pass to Allen Robinson, whether that's, was designed to Trey Burton a couple of years ago or whatever. That has been a play we have seen over and over and over again for three straight years. That call had no business being called today. Because, yes, does, does Matt Nagy expect Rashad Coward to not get completely bull rushed backwards into Allen Robinson? Demolished? Well, of, of course. Except for the fact that how many weeks now have I been banging the table and screaming about how Rashad Coward should not be on the field? Now, if you got no other choice and you have to play him, fine. But then you don't call that play. You don't call, like, and then he's on the post game. We're going to play Nagy here in a little bit. Essentially saying, you know, on that fourth down where they didn't get it, the first one, it's a dive. You know, like he says, this is stuff we ran in Little League. As simple as can be. Fair point, Matt. You know what else is a fair point? You don't have the offensive lineman to get a push to run a simple dive. And we can all see that. And so, like, that's, to me, that's the problem. It is not easy right now for Matt Nagy to call this offense. I 100% admit that. But there's not 
enough adapting. They're, it's just, it, it, we've talked for weeks about how they should simplify things. They're not doing that. I don't know. See, I, I think the body of work, there's just too much evidence to say it's completely personnel. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. look at last season. This dates back to last season. So their answer was having a short lease for Mitch Trubisky, benching him on the road in Atlanta after a bad interception and bringing in Nick Foles, who I'd argue now limits the offense and has been worse than Trubisky was over the first couple weeks, especially now behind a porous offensive line. Did you see him trying to scramble getting away from there? Like this is, this is not what the modern NFL is supposed to be. And I get it that he was supposed to – See things faster. Get the ball out faster. Be on time with his throws. All the above. You're not getting any of that on a consistent enough basis. So whether it's their decision to go to Foles or the body of work that dates back to last season with the offensive problems, not having a run game, the inability to adjust to not not only like the personnel, but like from game to game to game. Like this is it's all a problem, as our friend John Fox would say. And I, I think it's just a complete reflection of the coaching they're getting. They, they make coaching staff changes to fix some of this stuff. Bill Lazor's here. Gendy Filippo is here. Juan Castillo's here. Add it all up, and they're worse than they were last year. And, and that's the thing. They changed the coaches. They changed the quarterback. And, it, and you're right. It's worse. Did you see early on in the game when they put that graphic up? Oh, with the Trubisky? Well, I got one problem with that graphic. You need to yeah. take one win away from Trubisky. But, yeah, we, we know what the numbers yeah. are. Yeah, right, but the stunning thing was is they were averaging a, a, a touchdown more, a full touchdown more. And, you know, someone tweeted a joke today on Twitter about how, like, Dow Loggins would think this offense is bad. You go look at the numbers from 2017, though. That offense was better than this offense. The Bears made a decision to limit themselves by, in terms of the athlete they have back there. And I get Trubisky is probably not the answer for what's ailing the Bears offensively. But at least, in my opinion, there'd be a little bit more than you're getting from Nick Foles because he has not been everything you said, everything the Bears said he would be. It's, it's been a disaster. And look, that gets back to, I guess, what my original point was in the, in the column I wrote today. It's... You know, we've we've both been covering this team long enough, and we've been watching this team even longer, pretty much our whole lives. And you know, they've tried to fix the quarterback spot. They've they've traded, they've pulled off trades. They traded for Nick Foles. They traded for Jay Cutler. You know, they signed guys. They've drafted guys high. Go back to Rex Grossman, Mitch Trubisky. And they've changed the coaches. How many offense coordinators did Jay Cutler have? You know, they've gone through coaches. They've gone through players. When the offensive line is strong, they have no wide receivers or they don't have a quarterback. Then they have the wide receivers. The offensive line sucks. The problem is, is what pick a year. Any whatever year. The, what, whatever the problems are in that year, whether it's you got Mike Martz and he doesn't believe in tight ends or... Okay, they have no wide receivers, so they go out and they get Brandon Marshall and then they draft Alshon Jeffrey. You know, whatever fixes they make, the problem is, is that any year you pick, what's always on the problem list? The quarterback spot. That's always a constant. Yeah. And that's sort of my point. And this is in today's NFL. We can pick apart Matt Nagy, which is fair. We can say the offensive line is terrible, which it is. But nothing's going to change long-term for this franchise until they fix that quarterback spot, until they have a quarterback that they can build around. Because you can't build an offense without the quarterback. That is what this franchise, these fans, you listeners that are listening to this right now, know so well. And in the meantime, it's just another wasted championship-caliber defense here in 2020. That was my column. It's okay to feel sorry for those guys. And kudos to Danny Trevathan, the only defender to, to meet the media today, for saying all the right things. You knew he would. But I couldn't help watching that game unfold today. Like how angry they must feel. And look, they weren't perfect today. Ryan Tannehill's pass to A.J. Brown for that touchdown was beautiful. 
Eddie Jackson has to tackle better. Kyle Fuller dropped an interception. Jalen Johnson dropped an interception. But those guys, again, played well enough to win. It's almost like a cliche to say. They played well enough to win. They did. Just look at the stats. Derrick Henry was stopped before that 25, 26-yard run he had in the third, uh, fourth quarter. Ryan Tannehill completed 10 passes today. 10. 10 passes. 10. I feel sorry for the Bears' defense. Their championship window is being shut by their own offense. If you're a defensive free agent, why would you ever sign here? Like, I know they get them because they're like, oh, it's the Bears' defense. It's always a good unit, you know. And But you never get help from the offense. No, no. In today's NFL, especially like this season with so much uncertainty because of the COVID-19 pandemic, guys being added to that list and taken off that list almost every single day, the, the concerns that just happen every year because of injuries. Like, you need your quarterback to be your best playmaker. That's with his arm and his legs. These defenders are too fast. Now, I don't like, look at Tennessee. That team had seven sacks coming into today, and they got Nick Foles three times. Not all of that's on the offensive line. I don't care what Matt Nagy tries to put on him later. Like, sometimes you just need your quarterback to make a play. Remember when Matt Nagy used to say, say that about Mitchell Trubisky? Like, sometimes you need your quarterback to go out there and make a play for you. And I don't think Nick Foles provides you of, of that whatsoever. But maybe I'm being too harsh. No, you're not because I'm every, grumpy. Every team has deficiencies. Okay. And your the good quarterbacks cover up those deficiencies. And, and and so the Bears don't have that guy right now. They have a guy that everything around them needs. Everything, and we said this before the season, everything around Nick Foles needs to be perfect. But especially the offensive line. And that's why I like, I, I very briefly, and by the way, Dan Pompey had a great story on this last week, you know, a deep dive into quarterback options for next year. Um, I briefly mentioned in my column today, the, the problem I had reading Dan's piece, not his problem, the Bears' problem, because he did a great job breaking it all down, there's very few solutions, like legitimate solutions. You know, the, in fact, I would even say the only solution that doesn't involve drafting a quarterback in the first round, which is always risky, would be to somehow, and it's so unrealistic probably, acquire Dak Prescott. And it would be so expensive. But that's who's coming any, off who's gonna be coming off major surgery. Right. So even that comes with risk. Jimmy Garoppolo. Cool story, him coming home. That'd be great. Jimmy Garoppolo is like a slightly better, maybe even the same version of Nick Foles. He needs everything around him to be perfect. So I have very little faith that that would be an upgrade here in Chicago. Getting other teams' cast-offs, Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins. Come on. If those guys were franchise quarterbacks that you build around, those teams wouldn't be getting rid of them. Okay? The Jets wouldn't be drafting Trevor Lawrence if Sam Darnold was the future. The only option is to draft a quarterback in the first round, and this is where the Bears are sort of stuck because they already have five wins. They're definitely not getting Trevor Lawrence. There's a couple other quarterbacks I really like, like Trey Lance, and I'm starting to really like this Zach Wilson kid from BYU. Still early in the evaluation, but you know how this works, John. These guys are going to be gone. There's two different drafts, one for quarterbacks and one for everybody else. It's I hear what you're saying, you know, but, like, you look at the Jets, Adam Gase isn't a good coach. Let's be honest, you know. Kyle Shanahan, his system works. It helps like his system, like I, I hate the idea of uh, like when, when like so I wrote this article this week about the, the next fits for Trubisky. One of the teams that was mentioned, talking to to Matt Bone and a scout friend, it's it's it was the Titans. Like the slim, simplicity of it. Like Ryan Tannehill's had this career rebirth because of the system he's now in, and I hate that system is sometimes used as a criticism for for quarterbacks. The system should always help the quarterback. I think we saw that last year with Mitch Trubisky. We might be seeing it right now with Nick Foles because this is not the same system, you know, that he that he succeeded in 
in Philadelphia. Just a thought. Well, and there's two different conversations there because I, I, I agree with you on that, that specific term of system quarterback. The overwhelming majority of quarterbacks in the league are system quarterbacks. Okay, they benefit from the system. Um, Heck, I'd argue that Patrick Mahomes benefits from a system that Andy Reid runs. Yes, I'm just, yes, yeah. But there are there are some situations where the system kind of takes an average quarterback, makes him an above average quarterback. I think that's probably happening in Tennessee. But then my counterpoint would be, like you saw the Titans today. That team's not beating the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. I, you know, so even in that situation, that's not getting you to your ultimate goal. I, I think that, and that's what proves that I, point even I, further. I think you're having a conversation, Adam, which should be held at House Hall again. I think the point in this conversation is whether or not Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy together get to make that decision. Yeah. And I guess that's where the rest of 2020 comes in, right? How bad, how ugly does this get? Because, and that's probably a good question right now, because, you know, when people brought up the idea in the offseason that Matt Nagy was on the hot seat or, or anything like that, I mean, you just look at his overall record and you're going, how could he be? And I think we both said that the only way that happens is if things just go completely off the rails. And even then, the chances of that happening, not very high because he seems like he's still a good head coach. you know. And it's still, to this day, I mean, it seems like the players are playing hard for him. Doesn't mean they don't have some problems, that they aren't clearly, they have some lack of discipline. Um the details that Nagy was so mad about a few weeks ago. Those haven't been fixed. They've gotten worse. So how bad does this get? They have three divisional games coming up. Matt Nagy's never lost to the Vikings or the Lions. That should be brought up. And a few weeks from now, he may still maybe be undefeated against those two teams. I find it hard to believe they're going to beat the Packers in Green Bay, though, in a few weeks. You want to hear from Matt Nagy? Might as well get to it. Here's the head coach. Somewhat short and brief today. You know, obviously uh, a high level of frustration. Um, anytime you lose three games in a row, it, you, you feel that way. And uh, we didn't do enough offensively to, to get the job done. I thought our defense played really, really well. I mean, they're doing everything that we're asking them to do and uh, trying to get that field position going. Special teams play well. Uh, and then just... Uh, recurring theme here on offense. So uh, that starts with me, and we got to get it better. Jason Leisure. Matt, how did the offense get this bad? And as you point out, it's a recurring theme. What steps are you willing to take immediately to change it? Yeah, I, there's. Um, it, it's it's hard to say right now, right after, you know, an hour, whatever, it's half hour after the game. And so I, I got to go back and watch it. But, um, you know, we're, we're at a point, we knew going into today's game that – it, it was going to be challenging in certain areas uh, when you're in this position that we're in, and we understand that. But to me, Jason, I think the biggest thing is it's it's one thing. You know, there's going to be a play here or there where you're going to get beat, and I'm saying everywhere. Like there'll be a, there'll be a mistake that that we make. Um, everybody, whether it's coaches and or players, but the ones that 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 bother me are the ones where you have the senseless ones with the the you know the penalties that set you back five yards and make a second and 15 or their drive killers. You know, those are the ones that, and again, you know, we're discussing that we, we talk about that and they're continuing to happen. So, um, yeah, we gotta, we, that has to stop. It just, you, I, you have to get in a rhythm and then in the red zone, you gotta be more effective. So, um, that's what we gotta do. Brad Biggs. Coach, do you feel like with three straight division games coming up that you guys have to have to right this ship almost immediately, or, or the season could head the wrong direction? Yeah, no, no, we got to. Uh, I don't know if you can see me the the deal here. Um, we do got to right the ship, uh, and we just got to do it by getting one win. You know, so we got to be able to, uh, um, whatever that is, by any measures, find a way to do it. And uh, I think our guys will do that. I think that they uh, they understand where we're at. Um, 
you know, again, unfortunately, last year we were in the, in this mode and we lost four in a row and it, it's hard. It is hard. Um, but we as as leaders got to rally around each other and we got to stick together as hard as it is. And again, to be five and four um, when you're sitting five and one to be five and four, um, you know, it, it, it hurts. But now we got to make sure that um, whatever those issues are, we just at some point in time get this thing back on track. And, and that's kind of that's my job as a head coach to, to do that. And trust me, I'm, I'm going to look at everything. JJ. Matt, you mentioned the penalties, but on your first six drives, you didn't have any penalties and you still didn't wind up scoring yeah. any points. Do you feel like there are answers in the playbook in the roster that you have right now to fix this? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and uh, you know, it's when, when that's a good that's a good thing. And I did feel early on that, um, you know, we had a couple of those drives where it wasn't so much the penalties on the front end, JJ. It was more of the three and outs. You know, we just we weren't getting first downs. And uh, that's what felt like it on the front end. And then, you know, you get to a point there at the end of the half where uh, you get a couple completions and then you're just going backwards instead of going forward, you know, and when you have that and then the rest of the game, there's just some some stuff that went on uh, that it just makes it hard. And we're not in a position right now offensively to make things hard. That's just a simple fact. We need we need to do everything we can to stay ahead of the sticks so that we can play football and, and, you know, get the run game going and get the quick game going. And when you pick and choose to take a shot, you, you got to protect so that you can hit that shot. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's kind of how this thing goes. Dan Wiederer. Matt, you guys converted the fake punt. What yeah. required the timeout immediately afterwards? Yeah, we were just, uh, we had, you know, when you have a change of possession like that, there's a communication, just making sure guys are on the special teams and the wide receivers that are coming in and out. And we had a we had a play um, where there was we had a, a substitution with a wide receiver that was just a little bit off there. And I just I wanted to make sure that uh, we were perfect. I didn't want to do what happened last week where we had a, a five yard penalty and we just you know, and so that happens. That, that probably happens across the league more than you think. And right now it's just, you know, it's a little magnified just because of you know, our situation. And then also you guys have struggled uh, in short yardage when you need a yard or less sometimes. What are you, what is your emotions with that? And just not yeah. being able to pick up two feet at times. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's, we've, we've, um, I think we've been better of late and then it's the ones that you don't get, you know, uh, especially the fourth downs. Those are the ones that I think magnify and they make you, they sting because we really felt like we had some good momentum going there. And then we go back, I got to go back and watch that play. I'll, you know, I'm, I think our guy, I mean, it's a, it's a dive, you know, it's like what you, what we do in youth football, uh, it's a dive. So, um, it's, uh, that's that. We have time for two more. Jeff Dickerson. Yeah, man, not to belabor the fourth down stuff, but I think there was that one fourth down where you guys had two consecutive penalties. I mean, you had the, yeah. the false start and then the, I mean, the hands to the that's face. I mean, I mean, just how demoralizing is that to get these consecutive penalties in these just absolutely critical moments you got to have? Right. And I think that's probably where, J.J., like to your last question for me, stuff like that, that that Jeff just talked about. Those are the ones that they probably magnified a little bit um, when you have back to back penalties in that situation. And you got momentum going. You got a lot of good things going. And and then you just you have that happen. And. And so I'll never, ever, ever question my guy's effort. Never. I'll never do that. Um, none of it's because of effort. But whatever it is, it's got to stop. And and those are those are ones there that we just got to get better at because we just do we 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 got to get like just little chunks here or there and then pick and choose when we go ahead and take our shots and we just can't get in that situation. Now there was a few in there where we did get backed up and, and we Nick made a strong throw and we made a good catch on the dagger route. Um, there were some plays in there where we did recover. Uh, I would like to see us be better in that big red zone area to be when you get down there to be able to get an opportunity to score. And um, we we weren't we weren't today. Um, and that's probably the most frustrating part of it all is that uh, that right there. And again, it's not because the guys don't care. Last one, Mike Berman. Man, when you're grasping for anything positive, do you look? Um, are you, are, are you glad that you guys score late, that you make it a close game, or does that, in your mind, does that really not matter? It's probably both. I'd say um, I do think when you you, you, you have a, a position where um, our guys fought to the very end, and that's kind of who the guys are that we have in this locker room, they care. Their care factor is high. Um, that's why I'll, I'll never, ever 
question, their effort or their care. That part I love. Uh, but what we have to understand as a mature football team is that you have to score points early in this league. And then you also have to score points early in this league with the defense that we have, right? So um, when you don't do that, you just get to a point where you have those touchdowns at the end. You're happy that you kept fighting, but we, let's, you can't be in that position. All right, Adam. So he gets the question about the, the late scores in it. And what I thought about was a game last year when late scores were a topic, right? So I have this. I'm reading from my column right now, which is up at The Athletic. Bears defense, once again, bears the brunt of the offensive ineptitude. So here is my line. If Nagy thought Mitch Trubisky's stat-padding production late against the Saints last season at Soldier Field was done in garbage time, then what Foles did late against the Titans was a waste of time. Like, I, I just... They did not, should not feel good whatsoever about what was produced at the end of the game. They should not feel good whatsoever about what the game produced. It was a bad game. Bad game. And, and it had such flashes of... Like it's, it's it's the long pass to Jimmy Graham down the left sideline. It's the long pass to Anthony Miller down the left sideline. Like, yeah, you should feel good about certain things, but there's no consistency. This offense is a is to, to go back to things being on track. They're, they're a train wreck. They're they're there's so many problems in this offense. It's, it's so layered. I don't know if they have the answers or can find the answers in time to right the ship before the season becomes a seven and nine season after starting five and one. Man, seven and nine—that would be really bad. That would—that would be things coming. But here's the thing: every time I tend to think, John's that okay. There's winnable games. Like you still have the Jacksonville Jaguars on there. You have the Houston Texans. Then I think about it, and it's like those are still games you could very well lose. The the Tennessee Titans. I know we're going to a quick break here, but the, the Tennessee Titans defense stinks. It's not good. Not They've been giving up like 63% of third down conversions. Yeah, yeah. I think then the Bears go like 0-8 before they like they converted yeah. their converted their first third down. So Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the, the Texans, their defense really stinks. But you know what? I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson's gonna make enough plays to give you that nine-nothing lead that all of a sudden becomes insurmountable for Nick Foles and company. He's still playing really great football right now, even though he's on a bad team. Um, and that's that's like kind of the perfect that that proves my point too. Like, just having a great quarterback doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna win. But if you're a team right now that has some issues that you you need to fix, and the Texans have a lot of problems, but at least they have that quarterback spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It's a lot easier to start from that standpoint than to not have that. Um, so, you know, I obviously the Jets have a lot of problems, but if they if they can get their hands on Trevor Lawrence, all of a sudden, because I really do think he's going to be the real deal, that minimizes a lot of those other problems. That's kind of the point. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, John's. You put some notes here on our, our little rundown thing, and a lot of them have uh, something in common, <laughs> in my opinion. You know, it started early on in the game on a pass to Allen Robinson on third down, and it looks like it should be an easy first down, and then he just, like, runs out of bounds before the sticks. Yeah. And... I don't know. Some people apparently on Twitter thought he reached out. I thought he was well out of bounds at that point. I thought uh, he was short. Yeah, I thought he was well short. And I and I, it's still to me no no matter how you view that play, it showed a, to me a lack of awareness of where you were on the field. 
And this team has an amazing habit of running routes short of the sticks on third third down. I, 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 it's amazing. You know, I understand it when it's third and 12 and you can't protect. It's hard to get a 15-yard route going, okay? But that was like a third and relatively short or third and medium, and that was, was a quick pass. It was a four-yard gain on third and five, and he was open. He was wide open. And... I just I didn't understand why he didn't get the first down. I didn't really understand the route. Um, and that's one of your best players. And then the play after that was your starting right guard, keeping his head down, whipping on a block, and David Montgomery being stopped for no gain on fourth one. All that great momentum. Like I was I, I had you know made mental note of this. This is the best scripted start I think I've seen from Matt Nagy all season. All yeah. season. And they blew it. The details, it seems like, again. And then you dial up this fake punt, which was a great design and executed perfectly. Barkevius Mingo has been a bright spot for this team this year. And then the most predictable thing happened. (laughs) Seriously, for this team, the most predictable thing in the world. They weren't ready to go back on the field for offense, and they had to call Teb out. It's unbelievable. It's there's no explanation for something like that. Like I I know what Matt Nagy said. Everybody just heard it. Go listen back if you want. But like, it was a wide receiver that wasn't ready your way. But it's always somebody. There's eleven guys. That's part of your job. Always something. It's got to stop. Always being something. <laughs> Nick Foles wants to hurry up, but Matt, Matt Nagy wants to change personnel. You know, like Jimmy Graham, false start. Like it's always something. Yep. And you know, then you have the fumble by David Montgomery, which was a killer play. I mean, the Bears were still sort of in this, and I mean it was ten nothing at that point, and they're moving the ball. And then, first of all, though, I'm going to give Montgomery. Montgomery can't fumble. Okay, so that's still a player mistake. Like you said, it's always something. So that counts. But that screen, if you could even call it that, was so predictable. You get in the third long, and plus they made mistakes to even get in that third long spot. Okay, so you're already starting to go backwards. The play call was horrible. The execution, if that was supposed to be a screen, holy crap, that's bad. Well, they're an awful screen team. They really are. Well, they they can't do it. They don't have... I don't know if it's they don't have the athletes on the offensive line. That's probably part of it. They can't sell it. It's obvious when they're going to go to it. I think that's part of the problem. And then you have the fumble. And then, like, with Anthony Miller, when you say it's always something, isn't it always something with him? He could have a great game and then create... and then fumble the ball like he did. Yep. It's always something. Always something. I don't know if it's going to stop being always something. There's there's too many problems. It's too layered. It's 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 be, it's got to be on frustrating for these for these defensive players, right? Like, good for them for you know being the good soldiers on this, but like that scoop and score, like that's another thing. I'm like, I feel sorry for the Bears defense. Two false starts on a fourth, fourth and one, and then on fourth and six. Oh, I feel sorry for the Bears defense. You know, like Barkevius Mingo should not have the longest run of your game. Yeah. I don't care who's playing offensive line. The defense knew that their job today was going to be to stop Derrick Henry. They held him to 68 yards and 21 carries. You know, they did their job. And you can get, you know what? You can you can get a little picky with them. They they keep they keep seemingly dropping interceptions and potential pick sixes. I mean, this could have been seven nothing on the first series of the game. Wasn't the easiest interception, but Kyle Fuller could have had that ball. Yeah, you know, so they're not completely off the hook. But come on, they did enough today. Ryan Tannehill, ten to twenty one, one hundred fifty eight yards. Derrick Henry, sixty eight yards. Uh you know, the Bears outgained the Titans 375 yards to 228. 228 yards is what the Bears defense gave up in this game. 
and you lost 24 to 17. Derrick Henry had 38 yards on 16 carries before he broke off his long run. Yeah, because he had 26 on one run. That is the best running back in football, or at least one of the best. The NFL's leading rusher, at least. He Ryan might be the Tan- hardest to stop right now. Yeah, he gets momentum. Ryan Tannehill is top five, top six in passer rating, QBR. He completed only 10 passes today. Yeah. That blows my mind in such a like a pass-happy league that this guy just won a football game by completing 10 passes. Like Mitch Trubisky did that one time, right? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he attempted 10 passes against the, the Panthers. Oh, that's right. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy Jackson game. Well, and that's arguably that was better offense. Okay, Johns, well, I was actually somewhat pleased after the game that, that we didn't hear too much excuse-making about the fact that the Bears did have a legitimate adversity this week that they had to overcome. There's no question about it. Um, I think that the way the game played out, too many of the problems were the same problems to really just say, ah, we are missing players because of coronavirus yeah. and we didn't get to practice. Like, I, I don't think that's why they lost this game. Okay, so we can separate those two things. I think that's fair. That being said, the Bears, like many other teams right now, are dealing with uh, a very big reality. And, you know, last night I'm watching the, the Notre Dame-Clemson game and find out Deion Bush added to the COVID-19 list. Turns out in his case, he didn't test positive, but he was considered a high high risk contact to somebody outside of House Hall. So that's apparently, you know, somebody he came in contact with tested positive since the point that they left for Nashville. So he made the trip to Nashville and finds out later, you know, he needs a quarantine. Then we find out this morning that Lachavius Simmons one of the seventh round draft picks from the offensive line who get, you know, got moved up this week, right? He makes a trip to Nashville. His test yesterday, Saturday, before they left, was positive. They don't find that out till today. So he was on he, the flight with them. He was on the flight positive. This is all stuff I wrote about Friday. Um, and you can go find it on NBC on NBCSportsChicago.com. Please read the column. I, because the point is this. These things you're seeing happen to the Bears this week, happen to other NFL teams. They're happening to other everybody's lives right now. You know, it happened to me. You can and you should continue to social distance, wear masks. Testing's good. It's not foolproof. You can do those things and still get exposed to this virus. It's You can't, with 100% certainty, say you, you're going to avoid it. I think right now the Bears have done a lot of really good things. I think Matt Nagy has been a good leader throughout all this. But as these cases go up in our communities, Adam, you cannot completely... Avoid it. But the importance of the social distancing and the mask wearing still remains because as we heard from some of the players on Cody Whitehair's case, he didn't know he had it, was walking around the building. But as far as we can tell, and maybe we'll find out Lachavius Simmons because he's an offensive lineman, that you know maybe there's a connection there. Jermaine Effetti was considered a high-risk contact, Jason but he never Spriggs. tested never tested positive the the point is it, it showed that again I go back to the two things doesn't completely prevent you from getting the virus can help though prevent widespread breakout within a team potentially shutting down the team completely or if this keeps getting worse the whole season so it, it, it's still very very important. What I noticed today, uh, did you see this as well, is that when the uh, two teams took the field to shake hands and 
whatnot, that Ryan Tannehill put on a mask. Nick Foles did not have one, you know. So it it is what it is. Look, you know, social distancing, mask wearing is 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 very important right now. I, I just think you, you see the Titans; they've been through this as well. Like a lot of these teams, like I, I feel like a lot of head coaches are doing a good job with this, except maybe the Raiders, who continuously get fined <laughs> over a million dollars now, and now they lost a six round draft pick with, with this. Which yeah, yeah, learn your lesson there, John Gruden. Um, take it a little bit more seriously. So it, it, I just think that the NFL is going to go full steam ahead with this season. And we're at the point now where the games, the outcomes of these games are going to be affected. Like Baker Mayfield was just put on the list today, right? Like, and yeah. So your better player, like Matthew Stafford, was well, he was on it, then he was off and was able to play. So you're going to have some of that, right? Every team is going to deal with this uncertainty. And with the Bears, like they already have enough questions. Right? I don't mean just to keep it, keep this on the football conversation, but every team is dealing with this. Every team is trying to get through it. I think a lot of coaches, except maybe the Bra- Raiders, are doing a good job with it. It's it's just going to be unique to watch because I, I don't think football is going to stop. No, I think the NFL's made that clear, and especially as these teams don't have bye weeks, like the Titans already went through through this. Uh, quite frankly, that 49ers-Packer game Thursday night, if I'm the 49ers, I'm not thrilled. You know, the both teams were dealing with it, but the 49ers never had a chance. And you, So you talk about, you know, impacting outcomes. I think that's, that's an example. I mean, the 49ers had blown out the Packers twice in that same game last year, uh, including the NFC Championship game, and they didn't have a chance against the Packers the other night. Because of the guys that they were missing. Yeah. But. Well, they had other injuries as well. George Kittle and Jimmy Grapple. Well, true. Goal. Yeah. But, um, you know, that that's a game that probably would have been moved if it was back in week three or week four. Uh, like some of those other games were moved. I, I, I think what we're trying to say here is, is and I lost my train of thought here here for, for a second, is that. The NFL, or at least with the like the Bears, have had these very proactive plans. But even the best laid plans isn't enough sometimes. And like we talked with Nagy earlier this week, you're on to contingency plan B and C and D sometimes uh, because of this virus. And you hope for the health of these players. You hope that they're symptomatic and it's just minor uh, for for a lot of them. But yeah, the this NFL season is is not going to slow itself down, and it's and we're at this point now. Again, this is what I want to stress: where this the virus is going to have a game by game impact on who plays and what those outcomes actually are in the game. And I think the the problems are only going to get worse. Um, and this goes back to what I wrote about, and it's this, and this is my own experience too. You know, these cases are going up in our communities. Okay. Cody Whitehair, for example, lives pretty close to me. I'll just say that. Okay. So I don't necessarily know where people in his house might be interacting, but the point is like these people that live in the same communities, they live in Lake County, they live in Cook County, where positivity rates are spiking. So, by not going into a full-blown bubble, these players have wives, they have kids, just like I have a wife, and I have a kid, and my wife works in healthcare, and we've known from the beginning that no matter how much we take this thing seriously, which we have been, because we have a special needs son who has a heart condition, and the thought of him getting this thing has been frightening to us. But we've known from the beginning that it's very possible that it could still make its way into our house because of my wife's job. Well, that happened. You know, like, that eventually happened. As the cases got crazy, the place she works, they had a breakout. And the thing about this thing is it, 
happened before we even knew it. By the time we knew about the breakout, she already had it. We didn't know she had it. We didn't know she had it until I got it. And the testing and all this is not perfect either because, and this is the one thing, if there's like one, if people listening to this are wondering, hey, should I get tested? Do I need to get tested? There's a, the the incubation period is very important because you do need to, it can take a few days from exposure before you actually have enough buildup of the virus like in your nose to trigger a positive test. That's just not me saying that. It's from a Harvard. Uh, I tweeted this link out the other day, actually, if you want to go check it out. It's from a Harvard you know, medical publishing. L- real stuff. And I think that happened to both my wife and me because we were getting tested for work. And it took a while before we actually knew that this thing was in our house and that we actually had it. Okay. Um, and fortunately, my wife barely had any symptoms. She did for a couple of days, but it went away quickly. For me, they lingered longer. I'm mostly good now. Um, but it's, it's, it's serious. And so, but getting back to what I was talking about with the importance, of, if we're going to look at it just in football terms, you look at it in, my, in our case here. No matter how hard we tried, it still made it into our house. Now, I don't want this to turn into a lecture or anything like that. But the point, you know, if someone has the reaction, well, see, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't wear a mask. You're going to get it anyway. My son never tested positive. And we attribute that to the steps we took in our own house, which we were taking this whole time because we knew this possibility could exist where it gets in our house without us knowing it. So we've always been careful. And ultimately talking to the doctors, talking to his pediatrician, we think that's why he never tested positive. So that same thing, that same logic applies within these NFL locker rooms. You know, one offensive lineman can get it. Maybe a second gets it. Maybe a third. But how many offensive linemen are in that room? Not all of them got it. And you hope that it stays that way. Because that can shut a whole team down. So, anyway, I just I think there's some parallels there. Because, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, this thing's affecting you whether you're an NFL offensive lineman or you're just a podcaster or you're anybody right now that's living in this world. Um, so again, I hope that doesn't come off at, at all as any type of lecture. It's just me sharing, sharing my experience and, um, just my advice right now is to, <laughs> if you can limit your exposure to other people, it sucks. It really does. But this thing's just running. It's raging right now. And, and it, it's, it's tough. Well, I'm happy to have you back. Kevin Fishbane did step up to the game. Yeah, but he was trying to he was trying to call me Jermon Bushrod and stuff. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like that one. <laughs> I knew it. Called himself huh? Charles Leno Jr., but huh? guess 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 what? Jermon Bushrod was better than Charles Leno Jr. <laughs> he won't like that one when he listens to this. <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better though, my friend. Me too. Cause that's the other part of this thing. And if people want to ask me questions on Twitter. I'm happy to answer them because part of the reason why I wrote what I wrote and why I'm happy to talk about this now is because, you know, my frustration when I first tested positive is like, there's there's still not enough information out there. The amount of stuff I had to read and try to find and like know which tests I should trust. And well, the information what, is changing. We're still learning about it. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the problem. So I, that's why I think experience. Uh, sharing experiences is so important. So if people have questions, and I already had some people ask me Friday, like, I'm feeling this. Should I go get tested? And again, taking to mind the incubation period I just talked about. Um, but the, I don't know how to... It's it's. I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine, uh, who also recently had it and had it worse. 
and we both agreed when we were talking. It was like it's hard to explain until you have it what the f- symptoms really feel like. Because the best way I can explain it is for a few days I felt like I had a fever, but I never actually had a fever. Like every time I took my temperature, ninety eight point six, like no fever. So I, I kind of laugh at. And I get why they're doing it, but like when they take your temperature when you're coming into a facility or soldier field or whatever, like that is just not a good enough screening. Uh, although if you do have somebody who has a fever, they probably shouldn't be in there. So I understand why they're doing it. That's not the point. Um, but in my case, like I felt like body aches. And at one point, the best way I explain it is like almost like your my bones ached. That's what it felt like. Like the, it was like deep into my bones, and but I never had a fever, so that's like one thing when I say the symptoms were things I've never really felt before. Uh, that would be an example. Also, losing your sense of smell is weird and not cool, and you don't want that. You got it back. I think I have it back in one nostril. Good enough to smell the stank that was coming from Nashville today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to make a joke. That was good. No, that yeah. was good. That was good. Yeah, because I, I felt like my smell was like about 50%. Like, I didn't have it for like a week. That was really weird. Like, I would put up a bottle of bourbon right up to my nose. Nothing. Might as well have been water. Um. So now I feel like it's half back, and I used... Uh, this is why I think it's... One of my nostrils working. One of the not. I used Flonase the other day or yesterday, I think it was. And I like went in my left nostril and like, oh, I can start to smell again. And then I did my other one, nothing. So, it's a really weird thing. Um, please take it seriously. And again, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, but I hope everyone's staying healthy. All of our listeners and. I'm really interested to see how much more this affects the NFL season because there's, there is definitely a correlation with this going up in our communities and it affecting these teams more, and that's not going to change. Well, it's in those bubbles they tried to create. Yeah. But like I said, the problem is these people still have families and they're not necessarily doing anything wrong. But yep. there, you go out in the community, you're exposed to that. So it's there, there's no perfect way to do it unless you're going to actually create like a bubble, which the NFL has chosen not to do, and the players didn't want to agree to that. So that's fine. But it's going to continue to be a thing. The way I stand on it is, look, the information is out there. Take the risks of whichever you feel comfortable with, but... Just be mindful of others. Yes. It just means, you know, wear your mask. Wash oh, and hands. that's the part I left out. I 100% was around people when I had it but didn't know it. But there is, to this point, and as far as I can tell, because we've, you know, went through those that process of contact tracing and things like that, no example of either my wife or me giving it to anybody else. Um, even though for a while, like in my wife's case, she probably was all the way through her 14 days by the time I even tested positive. We had no idea. Well, so that's just, to you, just one more thing, like what you said, just be mindful of others. So that what that tells you is that we were wearing our mask, we were doing everything appropriately, and it does not seem like we gave it to anybody else. So that was one of my biggest worries because you don't want to do that, obviously. Um, There's definitely like a guilt factor when you test positive. But I hope, as much as we can tell, that that our precautions helped. So anyway. All right, that's enough lecturing. Let's get out of here. (sighs) What a terrible football game. It was bad. I don't know that it's going to get any better. No, no, no. I think the Vikings have a good chance of wiping the floor with them, but we got all week to talk about that. Yeah, we do. All right. uh, We'll be back Tuesday, and uh, I'm good now, so I'll be back. 
and Kevin should be back Tuesday too. We'll have him on the podcast. We'll we'll uh, we'll have a Charles Leno Jr. Jermont Bushrod fight. We'll work all that out. And uh, you're you're you know you're egging it on for sure. Who me? No. Yeah. Like yeah. Have a good time. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, <laughs> at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Post-game reaction up, NBCSportsChicago.com, TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. That's where you subscribe. That's where you should be subscribed. Thanks so much for hanging in there. Uh, Tuesday, voicemails. Those should be interesting. Can't wait. Get that bleep button ready, Kent. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>